Acts chapter 11, verse 25 says, So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, goes on to say, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. Notice this. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, perhaps no other word has been misused like the word Christian. In Northeast India especially, it's so easy for people to call themselves a Christian. If a man was baptized, regardless of what he does or doesn't believe, he's called a Christian. If his name is on the church roll, regardless of whether he actually attends church or not, he's a Christian. The word has been so cheapened by our culture that it really has lost its biblical meaning. We talk about Christian state. That's a laugh. Christian home. Hmm, maybe, maybe not. Christian school. Christian hospital. Christian orphanage. Christian organization. Hmm. You know, one could certainly be forgiven for not knowing that YMCA stands for Young Men's Christian Association, since I'm just being honest with you, sorry to say, hardly anything they do involves Christ. Not today. I mean, you can even take, in some locations, you can even take classes on yoga and transcendental meditation. Right? Are you listening to me? And frankly speaking, listen to me, my friends, frankly speaking, there are some people we would prefer that they never call themselves Christians because the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, the Bible says. Amen? If you're going to send somebody a love letter, please keep the name of Christ out of it. Can I get an amen? That's true. The biblical definition of a Christian, according to Acts 11.26, is a disciple of Christ. A disciple of Christ. A disciple is not a follower of culture, but of Christ. His devotion is not to a denomination, but to a person, Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, you may belong to a certain church, and, and that's good, that's fine. I mean, you may be a Baptist, and that's, that's fine, but you must first of all be a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I get a better amen than that, please? So God, God himself has called us to be disciples of Christ, and that is our first calling. So in other words, I'm sure the Lord has other things for us to do. There are other assignments, and, and that's very good. But this is first. This is the starting point, to be a disciple of Christ. The word disciple or disciples is found 268 times in the New Testament, and yet I'm sure many Christians are not even really sure what the word disciple means. Now, a disciple, listen carefully, a disciple is an apprentice who is trained by his master 
by living with him and working with him in order to become like him and continue his work. That's a good thing to write down. Let me say it again. A disciple is an apprentice who is trained by his master by living with him and working for him. Let me say that again. He is trained by his master by living with him and working for him in order to become like him and continue his work. Praise the Lord. So the aim of every disciple is to demonstrate more of Christ's character and anointing. That's the goal. That is our ambition. You know, what's your goal in life? You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, to retire comfortably or, or maybe to have my own home and family or, or to have a successful career, and those things are all well and good, and, and, and God will bless you. But your number one priority should be to demonstrate more of Christ's character and charisma, meaning the grace of Christ, the gift of Christ, the power of Christ in your life. Now, the disciples in Antioch did not call themselves Christians. They did not take that name upon themselves. The clear implication is that's what the general population called them. So think about it. You may call yourself a Christian, but what did they call you? See, why did they call these disciples Christians? See, evidently the the people coined that name. Why did they do that? Because they saw in them Christ. They said they're just like him. They have his nature. They are working like him, serving like him. Amen? So what what does the general public call you? Maybe they say, oh, yes, he's a religious person, or he's a churchgoer or he's a theologian. Why do they say that? Well, that would indicate they can see your religious activity, and you are known for your theology, but they don't really see Christ in you. Why? Because we have a lot of converts, but very few disciples. Amen? But of course, That's changing, and I know that you are watching right now. No, no, you are surely a disciple of Christ. I believe that. Amen? Praise the Lord. A disciple is a learned follower. A disciple is a student. Listen carefully. A disciple is a student who is personally and exclusively instructed by his teacher. He is personally and exclusively instructed by his teacher. So that means a disciple is someone who regularly interacts with his teacher, with his master, amen, and is fully devoted, and I emphasize the word fully, and is fully devoted only to his teacher. I mean, you have different loyalties, and of course that's fine, but your, 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 your heart belongs to him. 
You're fully devoted. I'm partially devoted to a lot of things, and in a measure, I'm devoted to things, committed to things, and, and, and I'm sure you are too. But to the fullest extent, my devotion is for him. In Matthew 23, verse 8, Jesus said these words. He said, but you are not to be called rabbi. And the word rabbi means master. If we were reading Hindi, maybe it would say guru, right? You are not to be called guru. Please don't call me guru. I won't call you one either. (laughs) For you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. So who is that one teacher? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So while we could and should learn from others, and, and that's right, hopefully that's happening now, we don't make disciples for ourselves. We are making disciples for Christ. I attended uh, one uh, Christian college for some event. This is many years ago. And, um, and the chaplain at the college, just in, in, in chatting with me, mentioned that several of our church members were students at that college. But he said, oh, and Brother John, several of your disciples are also here. And I corrected him. I said, no, I don't have any disciples. I'm endeavoring to help make disciples of Christ. We're not following me, not following this church, not following this organization. You should be following Jesus Christ. We may fail. He will never fail. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, if Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, how can he personally teach us? If he's in heaven right now with the flesh and bone resurrected body, if he's in heaven right now, how can we live with him and walk with him? Well, before his departure, before he went to the cross, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you for a little while. No, no, no. To be with you forever. Who is this? Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So notice he said, the Father will give you another helper. New Testament was originally written in the Greek language, and the word for another, Greek is a very precise language, the word for another in this verse is alos. I believe it's pronounced that way, A-double-L-O-S, alos. And it emphasizes another of the same kind, similar, another, you see. There's 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 a different word, heteros, Heteros, H-E-T-R-O-S, heteros, and that word means another of a different kind, not the same. For example, and this will prove it for you, a little technical, but there's a point why I'm saying this. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul said he was astonished that the believers in the King James Version, he says he was astonished that the people in Galatia were following another gospel. Another, and that's the word heteros, heteros, another gospel. But then in verse 7, he continues, 
which is not another. And that's the word alos. So, Paul, I'm a little confused here. You're saying these people are following another gospel, which is not another. Well, is, is it another or is it not another? I, what is going on here? Well, he uses two different words. He said you're following heteros, another gospel, meaning different, not the same, which is not alos. It's not the same gospel. What he means is you're following a fake message. You're following a perversion of the true message. Are you listening to me? By the way, here's a thought. The devil cannot go back in time and erase the crucifixion of Christ. He cannot go back in time and undo the resurrection of Jesus. What he can try to do is to twist and distort the message of Christ to keep people from believing the truth and be saved. Now, I remember several years ago, I was in a woman's house. Uh, we were visiting for some reason, and uh, here in, in uh, Dimapur, and she said, I want to show you something. And she brought out a book. She said, someone gave this to me. And it's, it says the book of Mormon. It was the book of the Mormons. And she said, is this right or not? And right on the cover of her book, it says another gospel of Jesus Christ. And I said, there's your answer right there. This is a different message. This is not the same message that we have received in the Scriptures. And the Bible says, Paul went on to say, if even we or an angel from heaven give you another gospel than the one you have received, let that person be damned. I'm not cursing. I mean, I'm not speaking vulgar. That, that's exactly what he said. Let him be anathema. One translation says, let him go to hell. Don't look angry at me. I'm just quoting the Bible to you. That's what exactly what he said, right? So that means it's very important that we not only preach the gospel, but preserve the gospel. We need to make sure that every generation is hearing the truth without any distortion. It's very important. Now, you know that, um, again, I, I guess I refer to this example from time to time, forgive me, but you know that these days on social media, there's all kinds of filters, Right? And so we can, some people love to put some filter and their face looks like a puppy dog or something like that, or, or, or they put some kind of filter and, you know, look like a chipmunk or, you know, an angel or, you know, a devil. I don't know. So, you know, so, you know it's all, you know, and they like to do that. Well, that's a distortion of the person. In fact, many times I see that, that filtered picture and I don't, I don't recognize that person. I'm not, I can't figure out who that is, right? I, th I feel sorry for that person. If he really looks like that, he, he needs a miracle, you know, something right? Well, see, it's the same image. It's the original image that's been shaped and twisted and colored and affected, and now it doesn't even look like them. So the devil wants to put a filter on the gospel that you're seeing. He wants to shape it. He wants to uh, uh, color it. He wants to distort it until it no longer looks like Jesus. Come on, I went to see a movie uh, several years ago with my family in America, and, and it, was, it, was, uh, it was actually a remake of a well-known movie, and, and, the, and the original movie was, was, had merit. I mean, it had some good points. But in this movie, the character of Jesus looked like a hippie. He looked like some kind of, you know, uh, snowflake hippie. And it just grieved me because I thought, that's not, that's not my Jesus. That's not, I have the original picture right here in the Bible. And this has got a, this is a filter. This is somebody else's distorted image of who Jesus is. 
He's not, I mean, forgive me, but I'm just being very honest. You know, some movies, Jesus looks effeminate. It's true, you know, like, hello, Peter. I don't, that's not my Jesus. My Jesus is a real man. He's not a girly boy. He's a real man. And I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want some gender confused Jesus being portrayed to my children. That's a distortion. That's, that's another gospel. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening right now. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is another allos helper. In other words, he's not different than Jesus. He's not different. He's exactly like Jesus. That's so important. That one little word, I mean, that tells you a lot. There's so much meaning in that. He's exactly like Jesus. So that means as a Christian, as a disciple of Christ, I should not be aloof or fearful of the Holy Spirit. I should never have sort of a standoffish attitude toward the Holy Spirit, right? In some localities, when the topic or even the word of the Holy Spirit is mentioned, people get nervous. They get, you know, they swallow hard. They look both ways. Like somebody just said a bad word or something. No, 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 no. That should, ne- that's, that's, again, that's a deception from the enemy. And maybe some foolish people have also, you know, confused your mind. But, but we, should, we should never shun or even sort of be standoffish from, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. That's okay, but no, 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 no. He's exactly like Jesus, right? So what, what is the Holy Spirit like? He's just like Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. And Jesus said to the disciples, you know him, for he dwells with you. Now, Jesus said this before the cross. He said to them, you know him. I think if I was Peter or James or John or Andrew, I would have said, uh, question, we do? We know him? I don't think I know him. Do you know him? I don't know him. How could Jesus say you know him? Because actually it was the Holy Spirit who was ministering to them through Jesus. Jesus did not even minister as the divine son of God. You have to understand what I'm saying. Of course, he never stopped being the divine son of God, but he ministered as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's why he often called himself the son of man. You read that and you think, why does he say that? Well, because he is, he is a son of God, but he also became the son of David and he was empowered by the spirit to minister. He never preached until after the spirit of God came on him. He never healed until after he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. So he says, you, you know him. Why? How can you say that? Because you have witnessed his work through my life. Amen. And as a born-again Christian, on this side of the cross, you know him too. Look at someone in your home, if you're watching this, or look at someone and say, point your finger and say, you know him. That's right. You know him. And the Holy Spirit came into our lives to continue the work of Jesus in the earth. So what is the work that he does? What is the work of the Holy Spirit? What is his ministry? What is his purpose? Some people think the Holy Spirit's job is to give you goose pimples. A little giggle, 
a little warm feeling. I'm all in favor of, of goose pimples and, and hot flashes and that type of thing, but, but you know, that, that, that's really peripheral. That's not the main thing. Here's his purpose. John 14, 26, just a few verses later, Jesus is telling us, John 14, 26, but the helper, now who's the helper? The Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will tickle you and all, no, he will teach you in all things. Hallelujah. So again, some people want to tickle. God wants you to be taught. Now, we could paraphrase this verse, whom the Father will send as my replacement or as my substitute. How can the Father do that? Because he's just like me. And he's going to do exactly what I have been doing up until now and more. Amen? So notice, he came to teach us. So a disciple of Christ is spirit-taught. A disciple of Christ is spirit-taught, Holy Spirit-taught. And notice, Jesus said he teaches us all things. Now, does that mean the Holy Spirit teaches us about economics and social studies and arithmetic and gymnastics? Probably not. I mean, he can help you in many different areas of life, but that's not primarily what Jesus means. He will teach us everything we need to know as a disciple of Christ. He will teach us all that Jesus wants us to know. So in other words, he's not just going to miserly, be real miserly with the things of God and well, here's a here's a little crumb for you, you know, chew on that for the next 10 years. No, no, he wants to give you more than you are willing to receive. Did you hear me? He's willing to show you more than you're willing to see. He's a generous teacher. Glory to God. And friend, there is no other helper. Not in this life, not in this world. There is no other helper. Jesus didn't say, I'll ask the Father and he'll send you several helpers. He said another singular helper. So that means if you did not get it from the Holy Spirit, you did not get it from Jesus. The teaching, the, 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 the revelation, the understanding, the, the knowledge of God, if you did not get it from the Holy Spirit, it did not come from Jesus. Are you listening to me? So you don't need to waste your time. Well, I'm just going to, I think I'll just study, you know, these different religions. And I think I'll just, you know, study all these psychic phenomenons. And I think I'll just delve into the occult. No, then you're going you're gonna to delve into a deception. Whatever you need to know, it's going to come from the Holy Spirit, not an unclean spirit. Come on, somebody say amen, please. Again, John chapter 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority or on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, 
that he will speak. So the Holy Spirit only speaks to us what he has heard from Jesus or God the Father and Jesus. He relays to us what he receives so that we can relay to others what we have received. Listening to me? Hallelujah. And he only speaks what he hears. In other words, the Holy Spirit never says, now, this is what Jesus is saying, but let me just add a few of my own comments here, you know. Let me just go ahead and, and, and put a little few, few thoughts to go with that. No, 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 no. He will only say what he hears from the throne. And we as disciples of Christ who minister in the name of Jesus should do the same thing. So that means there are times and I'm sure I've been there many times, and maybe you have too, where I started to say something, and then something said, no, I didn't say that, so don't you say that either. Amen. Amen. How many times have we said, now let me give you a piece of my mind. No, they don't need a piece of your mind. They need the mind of Christ. And if you knew how few pieces you had, you'd you'd stop giving them away so freely. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, We're talking about being a disciple of Christ. A disciple is a student who interacts with his teacher, is personally taught and exclusively taught by his teacher. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and he is the best one. He is the best teacher in the world. But where... Jesus said he only speaks what he hears. Where does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Where? I need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Oh, Brother John, you're right on the money here. I need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Where does he speak to me? Is it on a mountaintop? Is it by the riverside? Is it in the deepest jungle? Uh, Do I have to go to a prayer center? Jesus promised in John 14, 17, we read it earlier, and he will be in you. He will be. Who will be? The teacher. He will be in you. So write this down. My heart is the classroom of the Spirit. You don't have to go anywhere. I said you don't have to physically, geographically go anywhere. That's, what, that's the problem. People think, oh, I, uh, I need to hear from God, so let me climb to Mount Sadamati. You don't, by the time you get there, you'll be so exhausted, they'll need to you know, take a helicopter chopper and airlift you to the hospital. Don't worry about that. You just stay where you are, but the, he will speak to you from inside, in your spirit. So if you want to learn, you must locate your spirit and become Holy Spirit conscious. He's in me. Well, does that mean like he's in my feet? Does that mean that he's in my elbow? No, he's in your spirit, which is inside your body, you see. So you have to locate your spirit, right? So that means he doesn't speak to your flesh. Well, I, f- I feel kind of tired today. Well, that, that, that's just your body talking to you. Well, I feel kind of lazy. That's just your body talking to you. But what's in your spirit, that's where you need to locate. So that means there's more than one voice going on right now. 
Your, your flesh is talking to you. Some of you sitting there right now are thinking, are we going to be on this subject next week? Because I'm really tired. I want something more. That's, that's your body talking to you. Sometimes you need to give, give your body a little smack, like, be quiet. <laughs> huh? Right? Then your mind. Your mind is like, uh, where did he get that shirt? And uh, he has a different watch on today. And no, no, no. You need to tell your mind, like, be quiet. That, that's, not, that's not important right now. You need to locate your spirit. Come on. Some people will drive carefully for hours to get to a prayer center, but they won't take any time to locate their spirit. Amen. And you must become Holy Spirit conscious, aware of the Holy Spirit. So the point is, we're called to be disciples of Christ, every one of us, every believer all over the world. But we cannot be a disciple of Christ without the help of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. It's impossible. Amen. So one pastor said to me, and he's a good man, and I certainly appreciate him. But, you know, not everything people say is, is correct. One pastor said to me years ago, he said that he likes to take little walks through the forest, you know, with the fresh mountain air and the beautiful scenery and the birds and the flowers, because when he's in nature, he feels closer to God. Well, the first thought that flashed through my mind is, well, what a shame the Apostle Paul couldn't walk those trails when he wrote the New Testament because he was in a stinking Roman prison, yet God met him there. God spoke to him there and gave him revelation that has changed human history. You don't, you don't have to be in a nice place. In other words, your flesh doesn't have to have air conditioning to hear from God. You don't have to sip on lemonade to hear from God. You don't have to eat ice cream to hear from God, although it does help. No, but you, you, <laughs> but you, you, you need to locate your spirit. Your spirit is the classroom where the Holy, I've had a few, uh, but this is what, this is where the spirit of God will speak to you. Amen. Why, why is the Holy Spirit called the spirit of truth in John 14, 17? Why is he called the spirit of truth in John 14, 17? Because he will guide you into all truth in John 16, 13. Woo. He will guide you into all truth. Now, many things are true, but only God's word is truth. Understand? Many things are true, but only God's word is truth. So it's true that we're in Dimapur. It's true that I'm wearing blue jeans. It's true that you're sitting there with your arms crossed looking at me funny. But that doesn't going to change your life. The truth is not what you think, not what I think. The truth is what God thinks, as revealed to us in his word. Amen? So he will guide you into all truth. If you are not growing, listen very carefully, if you are not growing in your knowledge of God, or knowledge of God's Word, it's not because the Holy Spirit is a poor teacher. It's because you're a poor student. You can say, ouch, but I, I love you. I'm trying to help you. If you are not growing, or maybe you're not growing like you should be growing, and it does take time, don't misunderstand me, but if you are not growing, or maybe you've just plateaued, Maybe you just stagnate. 
Maybe you were growing, boy, by leaps and bounds, but that was five years ago. And now just kind of petered out. If you are not growing or increasing in the knowledge of God, it's not because the Holy Spirit does not know how to do his job. That somehow he's an inadequate teacher. It's because you do not understand what it means to be a disciple. You're not a good student. He speaks, but we must listen. He leads, he guides, but we must follow. And that's something only only we can do. He can't listen for you. He can't follow for you. Only you and I can do that. So, if you will be teachable and, if I can use this expression, leadable, there isn't anything pertaining to the Christian life that he won't show you and make clear to you. Let me say that again. If you will be teachable, you know, some people are, sadly, they're not really teachable. You can tell them 150 times and they go, what? So they're, they're not very teachable. They're not receptive. See, to be a disciple of Christ, we must receive from Christ, we must rely on Christ, and we must relay Christ and Christ's word to others. We must hear, heed, and herald the gospel. Amen. So, If you will be teachable and leadable, there is not one thing in the Christian life that he won't show you or make clear to you. And I can stand here today, and with a clear conscience, I can testify that that's true for me in my life. However, I must say this, there are many things that I did not venture to ask or inquire about because something inside me seemed to tell me that that was not my concern, that that was none of my business. Remember that the disciples were with Jesus after the resurrection, and they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And what did he say? It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but that's not all he said but, or actually authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. So they had a question and he answered it. He just didn't answer it the way they wanted it. What he was saying was, that don't, that's not something you need to be concerned about right now. This is what you need to be concerned about right now. So sometimes we say, what about that? What, what, Lord, what is the grand plan for my whole life? And the Lord says, go to Bible study on Wednesday night. You're like, no, no, I don't mean that. I mean like, you know, 20, no, no, don't worry about 20 years from now. How about tonight? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I can say the Lord has been very faithful to me, and it's not because I'm someone special. It's just because God is faithful. He'll do the same for you. But many times we do have to be patient. Doesn't mean that in in one afternoon he's going to download on you, in you, everything there is to know because your brain would explode and what a mess, right? He'll give you what you need for the moment, for the day. Let's look at another verse. 1 John 2.27, please. 1 John 2.27. Somebody say, praise God. Good. But the anointing, not the annoying, the anointing that you received from him abides in you. And you have no need 
that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Another word for the Holy Spirit is the anointing. I said another word for the Holy Spirit is the anointing. These terms are more or less practically synonymous terms. In Luke 4.18, Jesus said, he spoke in the, in the synagogue in Nazareth, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, meaning the Lord, has anointed me. See, anointing, Holy Spirit, synonymous terms. And because the Holy Spirit abides or lives in you, Jesus said he will be in you. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you don't need anyone else to teach you. That's what he said. You don't need anyone else to teach you. Now, the next and obvious question is, well, then why did God put teachers in the body of Christ, right? Why did God put ministers and, 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 and others who serve in this way in the church? It may be a man that is speaking, but if it's the, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's not really just a man. It's Jesus speaking by his Spirit through that man. Ministry is not head-to-head. It's heart-to-heart. It's not just sharing information that you have acquired so that others can store that information in their minds. It is relaying what the Holy Spirit has given you so that you can share it with others. Amen? It's, it's, it's certainly good to study and have notes, you know, and, and there are times when, when, you know, you may have a message prepared from uh, in the past, you know, a year ago or something like that, longer than that. And so you just, well, I'll just share this message today. And the Lord may lead you that direction. But I think when it comes to ministry, you need a word from God. You need, to, you need a fresh word from the Lord. It doesn't have to be a new word, but it should be fresh word from God. Amen. I endeavor, and I don't always succeed. I, I have obviously my failings, but I endeavor, like today, to hear from heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. If the anointing is there, it's not really a man that's speaking to you. It's God speaking through that man. So I I say this with humility. If I am inspired or led to say something that makes you mad, don't get mad at me. Maybe you need to get mad. Maybe if you get a little mad, you'll wake up. Maybe you need to be arrested from your slumber. Maybe you need somebody to shake you up a little bit. You're a little too comfortable. Somebody said this, the job of a good preacher is to comfort those who are uncomfortable and to make uncomfortable those who are comfortable. (laughs) So if you're hurting, I want to comfort you. If you're kind of real comfortable and just easygoing, I want to shake you up a little bit. Sometimes we need someone to just caress our back. And, put, and, just, and just hold us tightly by the shoulders. And thank God for that. Sometimes we need a swift kick in the pants. Turn around and get ready. Bend over. <laughs> we need that. We need that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is teaching us. He's guiding us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, 
Not only is the Holy Spirit our teacher, so that means whatever I've learned. See, I remember years ago, many years ago, like in the 1980s, uh, that was the last century. Many years ago, uh, I was attending a little uh, Christian uh, like event, social gathering in somebody's house, and, and, and we went in one room, and one dear brother, older man, he prayed for me, and, and then he began to prophesy. And, he, and, and, and something to the effect of, he, he said, son, I have put my word in your heart and in your mouth. And when, when, when I heard that, and I knew that was from the Lord, but when I heard that, the first thought in my mind, just my own thinking was, well, no, you know, I have studied. I'm the one who stayed up late at night reading different Christian books. I'm the one who's reading the Bible. I'm the one who's in church. I'm the one who's like, a, you know, going to special meetings and listening to audio recordings. But then the Lord said, I have put my word in your heart and in your mouth. And see, that's actually what God would say about you. You might say, oh, I've been to Bible school and, you know, and, and I, I, you know, and I've been to so many special meetings and I've studied and things like that. But he would say, I am the one who taught you. I am the one who showed you that truth. I am the one who put that word in your heart. Whew. Whew. Hallelujah. Amen. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit will confirm to you what you have heard. He will confirm what you hear. Romans 9.1 says this, and maybe this is a scripture that you've never thought about. Romans 9.1, Paul said, speaking by the Spirit, he said, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. By the way, isn't that funny that he would have to say that? <laughs> I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. How can I tell if what I am hearing is Christ's truth? Just because somebody can quote a Bible verse, that doesn't mean that the message is from God. The devil can quote Bible verses. He quoted them to Jesus in the wilderness, right? Right? So how can I tell if this is Christ's truth? The Holy Spirit bears witness with my conscience. We could say it that way. I think it would do no harm. The Holy Spirit bears witness with what? My conscience. That's what Paul said. Your conscience is the voice of your own human spirit. Your conscience is the voice of your own human spirit. And the Greek word translated conscience, I believe it's pronounced sunedesis, sunedesis, something like that. The Greek word for conscience actually comes from three little words, to see, complete, with. To see, complete, with. You see, we could say your conscience is the I, the Holy Spirit is the light. If we, if we turn the lights off in this room, 
That doesn't mean that you have a defect in your eye. It just means that without light, it's impossible for you to see anything. Your heart has the ability to see truth, but you won't see anything until the Holy Spirit shines a light. That's why so many Christians are kind of in the dark on certain areas of the Christian life. Why? They don't have light. They need more light on this topic, in this area. The Holy Spirit will enlighten my spirit. Something may sound plausible or good to my mind, but if it doesn't feel right in my inner man, I don't accept it. Often I have heard, you know, like live in person, but even like online or something like that, or even a book or something. Often I have heard a message. I mean, the person speaking was a Christian, but I kept thinking to myself, why do I not like this? It's because I didn't feel right in here. And I've learned from experience that if I don't feel right in my spirit, and I don't mean my, my flesh, I don't mean my emotions, if I don't feel right in my spirit, then I don't, then I don't go there. I say, no, I, don't, I, turn the, I turn away from that. Because the inward witness of the Holy Spirit is not a voice per se. Don't, you don't need to be looking for voices, but it's a sense in your spirit. Or it's like, we could say it this way, I hesitate to say it, but it's like an inward feeling in your spirit. Something's not right. Or something is right. Hmm, that's right. So maybe you're hearing preaching and you don't like the preacher. You don't like the way he's dressed. You don't like the, his voice, his accent. But something inside you is telling you, you better, you better listen to him. You better listen to him. Um, one of my wife and I's, uh, is that the right way to speak English? One friend of me and my wife is a pastor from uh, America He's an, an older man now. But uh, years ago, like in the 1970s, 73, 4, 5, 6, he was invited to hear a young, relatively unknown preacher called Kenneth Copeland. Okay, So he, he, don't, he doesn't know who this person is. He just attends the meeting. And I don't mean this to be unkind. I'm just trying to help you. And Kenneth Copeland, especially in those days, he was kind of abrasive. I mean, he, 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 you think I'm abrasive. I, I, am like, I am like smooth as silk compared to him. He, he's really like, you know, kind of in your face and, and just, you know, just kind of tough, especially in those days. He's, maybe he's mellowed a bit, but he was really tough, you know. And so, uh, and, and my, our friend there, our pastor there, he didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. And he, he felt insulted. He felt offended by all of this and stuff. And, and he said, my goodness, this is the cockiest little preacher I've ever heard in my life. I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I can't take this. And he got up to leave the meeting. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, now you go back and sit down because I got something to say to you through this cocky little preacher and you need it. was right. And he turned around and sat down. And as he listened more and more, it suddenly dawned on him, actually, this is exactly what I need. This is exactly, this is my problem. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the Holy Spirit bearing witness with his spirit. Praise the Lord. Many years ago, I attended a church meeting in America, a fairly large church. And there was a guest minister who was billed advertised as a prophet. And so the place was packed out, you know, hard to find a seat. 
And everybody is just, you know, super excited. You know, came early and, and you had to park a long way away, and, you know, to get there. And, and uh, I'm sitting there and this, this, it was a woman, a prophetess. A woman came out and, uh, and she preached a, kind of a message. And there were some things about her message that didn't sit well with me. Nothing major, but kind of like just didn't. Some, but, I, but I was magnanimous enough to just overlook that. And by the way, you should be too. Just because someone says one little thing, that doesn't mean you should say, oh, you're a heretic and walk out. No, no, no. I mean, we, we, that person is human being like you are. They, can, they have some, some imperfections. Of course, I know you don't have any imperfections, but, you know, your husband does. Anyway, so, so I would just sort of overlook that. And then she began to supposedly have a word for everybody or different people. And again, I felt like, I felt like something not right. I just felt like something's not right. Everybody else is like, amen, amen. But I felt like something not right. And then she even like, suddenly there's oil on the palm of her hand. Oil, literally. And she says, oh, that's the Holy Spirit anointing. And everybody's ooing and aahing. But I'm like, I didn't feel right about it. And then later on, I think it was in that meeting. If not that meeting, it may have been later after I had gone. But, you know, suddenly there's a feather in her hand. And that's supposed to be sign of the Holy Spirit, you know, like the dove and everything. And it went on like that, and I just felt, I mean, I wanted to be there. In my mind, I'm thinking, well, I believe in miracles, and I believe in gifts of the Spirit. But inside, I felt wrong. I, did, I, I felt like, I, I don't like this. I just don't like this. And so I got up, and I quietly, and I emphasize the word quietly, just left the building. I didn't stand up, and as I walked out, say, everybody should leave right now. No, I, I, I didn't. It's not my church. It's not my place to say that. It's not your place to say that either. And I just quietly left. And when I got in my car to drive away, I thought to myself, I kind of paused as I was uh, getting into my car. I thought, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe, you know, I want God to move in my life, you know, but something didn't feel right. So I said, I'm, I'm leaving. It turned out later, I think she was there for a week. It turned out later, she was all fake. She was fake. The oil and all that, that was a trick, sleight of hand trick. But she fooled a great many people. How sad, how sad. Some people that we know and love are so fascinated with the supernatural, they don't particularly care where it comes from. They're so fascinated, so enthralled with anything supernatural, super duper uh, 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 natural, that they kind of like override any leading they have from the Holy Spirit. And of course, for many people, any kind of claim to the miraculous is instant credibility. Come on, anybody can stand up and tell any kind of tall tale and people will just flock around them. A few years ago, I don't mean to be unkind, I was trying to help everybody. This was several years ago. You know, uh, there was an audio file being passed around by maybe some few people in the church. You know, I don't know how many. And it was some uh, uh, minister, a man of God, I suppose, from Africa. This is several years ago. And, you know, and, and, you know, and they say to me, you, you should listen to this. Ooh, boy, I'm telling you, this is amazing. You know, this is really hot. You, you got to listen to this. And I, so I, I, I listened to it. And I tried to have an open mind. But it was really, you know, like, like fakey spectacular. And, and I'm thinking, I, I don't know, I something. I'm trying to be open-minded, but I'm thinking, why do I not like this? And it just went, you know, way off, way off the deep end, really weird, you know. And so I didn't know, 
So, you know, I just, but I just stopped listening to it. I didn't want to listen anymore. And it just so happens in that audio recording, he mentioned the country he's from. This is Africa, you see. And I know a minister from that country. I know a minister from that country. So it was actually the country of Ghana. So I contacted that person. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think he actually came here. The, the, the ministry friend came here. And I asked him about this minister. Do you know him? Oh, yeah, I know him. And I shared, you know, kind of some things. And he said to me, he has a tendency to embellish the truth. And I said, what does that mean? It means he's lying. He has a tendency to embellish the truth. And then this minister friend said, we, and I don't know who the we's are, I guess other people in ministry, we have tried to talk to him several times, but he won't listen. Listen, God's truth can stand on its own two legs, and you don't need to add to it. You don't need to embellish it. You don't need to exaggerate. You don't need to stretch the truth. The Bible says, add thou not to his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. It's in Proverbs. Amen? I believe in the supernatural, but I don't just believe in everything that comes down the pike. Amen? Praise the Lord. Real quickly, I'm almost done. Oh, wow. He'll guide you into all truth. He will, we're talking about being a disciple. So a disciple is spirit-led. Spirit-led. He can only guide you into all truth if you are guided by him all the time. I said he can only guide you into all truth if you are willing to be led by him all the time. You see, a disciple, a true disciple, does not take a few courses. He's a full-time, lifelong student. There will never be a time when you are not a disciple of Christ. I don't care if you've been in a Christian for 50 years. I don't care if you've been in the ministry for 30 years. You will always be a disciple of Christ. It is a serious mistake to minimize the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a disciple. Some people sort of like dismiss this and say, I, I don't really need the Holy Spirit so much because I can just read the Bible. Yes, you can just read the Bible, and so did the Pharisees. And they, they fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament by condemning to die the one Scripture predicted. In other words, you can read the Bible and still be dead wrong. The Bible itself is a dead letter until you meet the author. Amen? Praise the Lord. In John 16, 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We have an advantage over those who follow Jesus in the flesh. We have something today that they did not have before the cross. So it's easy to think, oh, I wish I was there on the shores of Galilee with Peter and James and John. I wish I was there, you know, at the tomb of Lazarus. I wish I was there. But actually, 
you should be glad that you're here because Jesus said it's actually better for you. Listen, it's actually better for you to learn from the Holy Spirit than it would be to stand there in the natural and learn from me. You're actually better off today than they were because you have something they could only dream of at that time. You have the teacher, the author of the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of the Spirit. You have the author living inside of you. You don't have to write to me. I'm not trying to um, make discourage anybody. You don't have to write to me and say, Brother John, what does this verse mean? Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit? Well, I think I need to go to Bible college so I can know the Bible better. Perhaps, but maybe if you know the Holy Spirit better, then you will know the Bible better because you could go to Bible school, you could go to the wrong Bible school and come back more confused than enlightened. Amen. Maybe you don't need another degree necessarily. Maybe you need a closer walk with the Holy Spirit.